rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantes so or the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Trade rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy. Hello and welcome to the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast. I am Aldo alongside with Kevin and Mitch. Uh, we are presented by Sports Mockery. Visit sportsmockery.com for the latest news on the Cubs, White Sox, Bears, Bulls, and Blackhawks. Uh, catch all the latest stuff on baseball season right now. Mitch, every day on it. Uh, great story uh, talking about Michael Kopech's another great outing from him against the Dodgers. Uh, and probably things are going to heat up uh, in the summer months with some trade rumors. Uh, so definitely stick around for that on sportsmockery.com. And uh, all over social media at Sports Mockery. All right, boys. Let's. You know what? Let's let's start. Let's start positive. Let Let's go to Michael Kopech. So I think this was his fourth consecutive start against just great teams. I think he had the Yankees back to back, the Blue Jays, who were hot uh, right uh, when he faced them up in Toronto last week. Uh, comes right back home uh, after a a great series win by the White Sox in Tampa Bay, uh, and then he shuts down the Dodgers on Tuesday at home. So, Mitch, Michael Kopech, ace, right? I, I would think so. I mean, he clearly the front runner, and this is what we all expected from Michael Kopech when they called him up. Um, and a lot of people were worried, especially after he sat out 2020 with all the injuries. Does he want to pitch? Does he have that bulldog in him? And I think this year you're seeing he wants the ball in big spots. He's performing against the best teams in the league. The real turning point, or what I was most impressed by, was his start in Wrigley when he got pulled after four innings, and you know you could tell he was pissed. And not everyone has that in him. That's something you can't teach. Um, so I like the fact he has that competitive mentality, and he's showing up against the best teams in baseball. And what was really impressive to me, especially coming off a terrible start in Toronto, probably his worst in the year. Uh, when I used to play golf in high school, like our coach would always look at like your worst hole and then it wouldn't be that one. It'd be the hole right afterwards to see how you responded. And it was kind of the same thing with Michael Kopech facing a great Dodgers lineup, one of the best Dodgers uh, or one of the best lineups in baseball. They're averaging over five runs a game and he shut them down. They looked baffled. He uh, pounded the strike zone. So I, everything you could want from from your starting pitcher, he he did right there. It's It's been phenomenal, especially because a lot of these starts have come against first place teams. Yep, yep. I didn't watch uh, all the or the entire uh, his entire outing against the Dodgers, but I did watch the first what was like at least the first four innings of it, and uh, you can obviously tell the difference in you know the philosophies uh, hitting wise because uh, I think Kopik was like in the seventy pitch range, uh, you know, like by the fourth inning, and then uh, the guy that they had starting was Mitch White, some yeah, kind of, like just makeup player from the Dodgers. Uh, Who also looked like an ace in that game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and like he was, I think at, the, at one point he was like through four innings, like at 44 pitches or 45 pitches. Um, but, but that's what we've been seeing with Michael Kopik all year long. Even when he does have to uh, battle through and maybe he doesn't always have his best stuff, he still like hunkers down and he'll still get you through five, six innings. And I mean, he's, his ERA is below two, but he's had what? Just that, that one bad start really. Yeah, one nine four ERA this season. Yeah, just, and only and two wins to show job for by him. <laughs> yeah, he's the new. Uh, he's the new. Uh, what's his name? He's the new. Well, Jose Quintana for you guys. A more talented Jose Quintana. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's add in that part. Yeah. Uh, Kevin just had like a a panic attack listening or hearing the name Jose Quintana. My just, light just went out. I'm going to try to figure out what what happened. Take it away, boys. My dishwasher just uh, screamed at me saying, use me instead of, you know, in the sink. <laughs> you won't cut your hand. Um, you know, the thing about Kopech, too, is when you look at his numbers, too, he uh, his whip's under his whip is under one. He's got a .94 whip. So he's obviously he's not putting he's not letting. I mean, obviously, it's a, you know, I think Fergie Jenkins used to say it. He's like, I don't mind giving up home runs. I think actually at, at one point, Fergie Jenkins for the Cubs had the most individual home runs given up in a single season as a Cub record. And he was like, so what? Why? Because there's solo home runs. You don't allow base runners. Even those mistake pitches don't haunt you as much. And he's right now, he's just dealing out there. I mean, he's, his exit velocity over from last year is actually up just a tick, but it's down over the course of his average of his career. Um, you know, he's he, his XBA, even for example, I mean, hitters are, it's a 195. I mean, his, his expected slugging against him is 363 in his, in his uh, um, you know, so you're looking at these numbers. He's been, you know, he's given up maybe it's 38.7, so a little bit a little bit under 40 uh percent hard hit rate. He's not getting hit hard. He's and his K percentage is actually down, which means he's he's not just you know, we talk about missing barrels. And a lot of guys think that missing barrels means missing the bat. It's not necessarily that. It's pitching to softer contact. It's giving up uh non-barreled baseball. I mean, you can have a uh you can miss a ton of barrels and not strike a single guy out. It's 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 just you got a guy on his front foot and on that two and what two and a two and five eighths inch barrel. Uh, in that diameter that they have, I mean, that's a lot of inches. I mean, one inch here, a half inch there makes a huge difference. So nobody's barreling him up. And even if he's not striking out as many guys as he has in the past, or, you know, his K percentage is down, but he's a pitcher now, you know, his, his yeah. walk percentage is actually up a little bit over the course of his career numbers, but he's doing it in a manner. It's still not that high. I mean, he, I mean, he's, you know, he's got 51 K. So, I mean, he's still doing the job. He's, he's basically, it's a K and inning for him. And, so a, a guy doing that coming out of it doesn't seem like he's come out of nowhere because he was on my MLB the show team and he always constantly improved and I used him a ton um, on my my creative team but um, seeing him perform it, it it's it's kind of those guys that came in without any pressure and expectation that are getting the job done and you've got guys like you know Geo who are struggling because they have this expectation laid at their feet and you know it's great to see a guy like Kopech just go hey I exist guys and check me out here's my body of work and he's doing it. Uh, and he's doing it well. Yeah. And, and I love what you said about him becoming a pitcher this year too, because he when coming up. It was always like the big arm. He had the big fastball. That's what he was known for. But like, even last night when you watched him, he was getting ahead of hitters and he was keeping them on the attack. Like he had guys watching fastballs down the middle. He had people chasing mm -hmm. his slider. They really, really had him off balance throughout the night. And he's had the fewest hits allowed by pitchers with 50 plus innings this year. Only 24 hits allowed, which is, um, really speaks to how good he's been because no one's been able to barrel him up. When he gets in trouble, it's with the walks. And I think the one bad start besides Toronto was against the Yankees, and that was all self-inflicted. I think it was three walks, a wild pitch, and a hit batter in that inning. 
and they, they ended up scoring three runs. And after that, he didn't allow a hit. So um, as long as he keeps guys off base with the walks, I mean, there's the, the guy could be in the Cy Young conversation if he hadn't had like the innings uh, restrictions throughout the year. I don't know if he's going to have enough innings, but uh, he, he's been dominant all year long. But you're right, though, like that that transition that you're seeing of a a dude that's been able to rely on stuff against lesser competition is finding himself challenged with the big kids to be more than just a fireballer. Uh, he's learning to pitch and it's fun to watch because you don't know that this is, that's the beautiful, weird thing about baseball is, you know, a guy like say, you know, a Cubs example, you would look at a guy like Kyle Hendricks and say, no way a guy couldn't break water. You know, it couldn't right. break a window with a fastball, but the dude figured out how to pitch to get out. And, and when you see a guy that has stuff that again, some of these guys, you could, I mean, as a coach myself, I, you see it, these guys could go out there. I mean, we have a, you know, I've had a guy that I, you know, a guy that currently that I, that I coach that's pitching for AM, right? We talked about him last week. So it's 99. You know, he was throwing 98, 96, 97 at the high school level. You can go out there and just beat dudes. As long as you're throwing strikes and you're throwing that velocity, you're going to get outs and you have good stuff. But then when you get to the point where the athletes are actually adjusting and they're actually able to, they're actually as gifted as you are, or maybe more, you got to learn how to keep them off balance and make them just miss. And he is learning to pitch. And I think that's a testament to, to obviously uh, uh, the White Sox um, coaching staff working with him again. I, I, I feel like the White Sox uh, with, um, I think Katz, it's, it's weird for me. I feel like Katz is a fantastic practice coach. I have zero concerns with him working with dudes, whether it's in the bullpen or on the side. I do feel, though, and I think I think that, unfortunately, you know, I mean, Tony LaRusse is obviously, it, all decisions start and end with him. But I do feel like Katz either isn't advocating enough or Katz also is someone that maybe hangs onto the water wagon a little too long with the guys that he works with. He maybe almost trusts them too much because we've seen it a lot where maybe maybe two or three at-bats sooner, they probably should have been pulled, and they they don't. And so that that's a, that's a, that's a thing that I think Katz has to kind of work with, too, is – I mean, he, but as far as instruction and fixing and tweaking and working on, because again, the bullpen is where you work on the, 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 the real part of the game. You know, it's, it's showtime when you're on the bump, you know, it's like, you know, play black, you know, if you're a, an actor, you know, practice, 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 dress rehearsals, but they're not real. And then you get in front of an audience, it's a totally different thing under the lights. And, and it's the same thing with, with his guys. He works a ton, it seems with these guys. And he's always had a good reputation out here on the West coast as a high school pitcher too, a pitching coach as well. But it's, it's, it's really cool to see him develop these guys because we're seeing it with other guys as well. So he's he's doing a really good job. He's just got to, he has to be more game aware. I think he needs yeah. to advocate. And he needs to know when his dudes are, are are gassed. And sometimes I feel like as a coach, it's hard because you trust dudes because you work with them and you love them and you respect them and you're like he's got this. And then oh shit, that was like a quick, it happened quick. It was a single and a you know a two run tater, and all of a sudden you're like uh, whoops. So that's still something I think they need to work on. But man, Kopech, the work that he's done. You got to tip your cap. It's, it's it's exciting to watch, and it, it creates excitement for the game because it's someone that nobody expected, at least as much. I also think the, the great thing about Kopex, at least his performance in twenty or this year so far in twenty twenty two, is that it really shouldn't come off as that much of a surprise because he was always regarded right. as like this is a sure thing or as close as of a sure thing as you're going to get to start potential uh, starting pitcher. It's just that you know he did miss the twenty twenty shortened season. And then he was basically like a a reliever, a couple inning reliever in 2021. So we didn't really, except except for like a couple spots spot starts, I think. Um, but he's always had this in him. Uh, but like you said, like he's taking those next steps where he's not just a thrower. You know, he's not just pumping in there at 100 miles per hour. He's learning how to pitch. Even he, if he is walking, guys, he's not imploding. Um, and I think we've actually seen that him progress 
through that faster because he hasn't had as many just innings in the major leagues, as many starts as like a guy, you know, like Dylan Seats. Dylan Seats all through th- 2021, he'd still, even when he was like going great, he'd still have those blow up innings. It's like, damn it. And those are kind of creeping back a little in 2022 after his great April uh, and most of May too. Uh, but yeah, great stuff from Michael Kopech against the Dodgers. Uh, rough start for Johnny Cueto, first couple innings on uh, during Wednesday night's game. Uh, one, we have a couple. Oh, go ahead, Mitch. Oh, yeah. I was going to say one last quick thing with Kopech here, too. I think one of the biggest reasons for the turnaround is his maturity level since he entered the organization in 2018. He's a lot more composed on the mound. And I think he, he, you've seen the maturity develop, uh, especially like that Yankees start where he gave up the three runs in, in a disastrous inning. The fact that he was able to come back out there, regain his composure, not give up. Uh, another hit the rest of the game. I think it speaks volumes to how far he's come. Cause I remember when he entered the organization, he had the problems with the PED. He punched a teammate. There's a lot of off the field uh, drama, I guess. And they're opting out of 2020. People had questions about that. So the, everything that he's overcome and th- how, how mature he is. I think that uh, that's really uh, helped him on the mound this year as well. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Steve Woods on Facebook. Where is Lance Lynn? Uh, Mitch, where's Lance Lynn? He's got one more shot. So, excuse me. He's got one more uh, start in Charlotte. Maybe one more shot too. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, one more shot. <laughs> one more shot. <laughs> the barbecue is good down there, so yeah. I could see him having one more shot as well. He's got one more start in Charlotte tonight. Uh, he should be up next week uh, with the team. All right, and then also Steve Woods, a uh, little critical of the big boys. By the way, tonight Eloy's is glass. Robert is glass. Moncada is glass. Should be his last start. By the way, at AAA, just just as a, I don't know if we said that, but Mitch, tonight. you, yes. Mitch, you obviously watch. I'm I'm assuming you watch the White Sox almost every every game they play. What is wrong with you on Moncada? <laughs> he has made a glass. I think that is the problem. <laughs> no, honestly. So we were talking about the maturity thing with Kopech. Like I think Mankata is like the opposite. I, it, I think a lot of it too, the, the COVID thing clearly bothered him. And I think he didn't really recover from that. And from that down season, I think his confidence was shot a little bit. And now you got Berger playing well. Everyone loves the fan favorite there. He missed a couple games to start the season. Um, but even like before missing the games, I, I don't even know in spring training, he did not look good. I don't think he had an extra base hit in, in spring training either, even before he got hurt. So, um, I think it might be like nagging injuries because he just doesn't look right up there. So I don't know if it's in his head or he's just not fully healthy because he's a lot more talented than what he's showing. Yeah. And I think the fact he's out there, you know, maybe not a hundred percent it's compiling some frustration like baseball's hard enough as it is and then you get in a little bit of a slump you kind of dig yourself in a hole sometimes you press too hard so uh i i wish i could tell you because you should be a lot better than what it is you uh, know it is brutal i was looking at I have the bad news real quick guys bad news. what happened kevin bad news uh very short night for lance lynn Uh-oh. um he has just been pulled in the bottom of the fourth inning with nobody out but don't worry it's not because of an injury he got absolutely lit tonight. Eight hits, okay. four earned runs, one walk, and only three Ks. He's now leaving the game with the bases loaded, so his earned runs could actually possibly jump all the way up to seven for tonight. So not a great last start in Charlotte for Lance Lynn. But you it know, is 
Charlotte, and it is yeah, baseball, which is weird because it's a totally different approach. It, yeah, I think a lot of times too, you'll see them like trying to work on stuff and iron out things, where they're not too worried about their performance. You're going deep in games, so I wouldn't put too much stock in that. Obviously, you want them to do well instead of getting lit up, but I, I wouldn't be. But he didn't come out because he was hurt. Yeah, so that is a positive. Why is he getting yanked in the fourth? Well, it was not health. It was just it wasn't working tonight. He sharded on the mound. He had to, yeah, he had to <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> Joe Kelly, speaking of injuries, real quick, Joe Kelly should be back by the end of the month. He said he's been feeling good. Right, he's throwing right. off a mound today, so Joe Kelly should be back by the end of the month as well. What was it? Was his a groin? What was his injury? I believe it was a straight. Yeah, I think his was a groin, groin too. Um, that uh, or a hamstring. Back to him and cut. Uh, you know, before this season, it's weird how like the perception of players goes because I think I saw the number where. Like from 2019 up to this season, or even through whenever he came back, I think Tim Anderson had missed more games than Yohan Mankata. Yeah. But obviously, when you think about the two players, well, I mean, obviously, it's because one is like the best player on the team and just produces at a ridiculous level. But like, no one's saying Tim Anderson's made out of glass, even, even though through the time period, Tim Anderson has had like a couple injuries where he's had to miss a couple weeks several times. And but it's just the, I think it's just it's the nagging thing, right? Just because like Mankata will have like the you know the sore hammy, and then he'll like get pulled out of a game, and then he doesn't play for a couple of days, and then you're like, what the hell? And then it happens again a couple of weeks later, and then he misses another couple of games. It's just, and, and I think that that's always been the case with Mankata, right? Like this isn't like a after COVID thing. Like even when he was doing good in 2019, there was those stretches where like he'd have like a nagging leg injury and you'd be like what the hell yeah or he'd like slide and get up gingerly but not only that like tim anderson when he's in the game he jumps off the page like he jumps off your screen you yep. know he's in the game there's some nights moncada will be in the lineup and it's like a night you'll be driving home for the ballpark be like oh yeah yo you all moncada in the starting lineup he just there's games he just disappears and he doesn't and he just doesn't do anything so i think that also compounds it too yeah he heading into wednesday night's game i think uh NBC Sports Chicago put up the uh, the lineup, and they put the uh, WRC plus of every player in the lineup for the Sox. And I was, I mean, Yohan Mankato batting third with a fifteen uh, WRC plus. Like, what? Yeah. Uh, I I had not realized that uh, he had fallen off that bad so far this year. Um, let's see what else do we have here. How is Eloy doing? How's Eli doing? I know he had that the first game, and then he pulled himself out, missed or not didn't miss, but like he didn't play for about a week. Now he's been back. Any any word on Eloy? They're being cautious with him. I don't have an exact timeline with him yet. I know when he got pulled the first time, like doctors weren't too worried because they're like, yeah, this is kind of normal after like a surgery like that. Uh, they're just being extra precautious. But he hasn't gotten hurt in any of the other games he's played, which has been good um so i mean we'll, we'll see i think hopefully by the end of the month as well but like they don't have an exact time on that one's going to take a little bit longer because i think they want to make sure he's like a hundred percent healthy which for the outfield they can afford a little bit they have a little bit more outfield depth th than they do uh some of these other positions so they can afford to keep him down there a little bit longer yeah speaking of injuries and we talked about this all last week um i think it came out like afterwards but like at this point it's starting to look like just yasmina grandal is hurt because, I mean, he's, like, missing games. He's not getting pinch hit in spots where you think, like, okay, at least you'd maybe want him in this situation. 
Like he's just not playing as much anymore. He's hurt, right? I I don't think so. I, I just think it's because he's been terrible this year. I mean, I wouldn't want to pinch hit him. If it was a big moment <laughs> right now, as at this moment when I mean, we're recording true, yeah. this, uh, June as of June eighth, I would not want him in a big moment pinch hitting. I would take a Jake Berger over him. I would take an Andrew Vaughn over him because Andrew Vaughn's always on the bench for some weird reason. Um, <laughs> sucks. <laughs> uh, you gotta rest and, your young 23 year old and Reese McGuire as far as the catching goes which is disappointing too because he has Monty Grandal was one of the best defensive catchers in baseball statistically the past couple of years but Reese McGuire has been a much better catcher than him. and like the White Sox have had problems in the past with runners stealing on him but some of that goes on the pitcher they just don't hold runners on very well but Reese McGuire throws out runners at a higher clip and that's a problem because the White Sox gave up a lot of stolen bases as Monte Grandal doesn't throw out runners at a very high percentage, Reese McGuire does. So I think that's also part of it, too. Neither of them are hitting, but at least Reese is giving you some defense. It's insane to think that maybe perhaps that drop-off came so fast and so quick for Grandal. I, 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 I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I, I don't. I, I, it's just, it's hard. For, but it's a, it, as a catcher, it, it can happen. Yeah. Body, the, the, again, just like with a pitcher, every pitcher has a set amount of bullets in the gun. Sooner or later, your chamber is going to run out. And, you know, some people have unlimited bullets and they're lucky and they're blessed and they have a rubber arm. Some people don't. And and so you have a limited amount. And it's the same thing with a catcher. You got a limited amount of squats and, and punishment and damage that you're going to take before sooner or later, the body's just like, I can't do this anymore. And I think with Grandal, I mean, what is he, 30? Is he 30 yet? Uh, yeah, he's, he's over 30. 33. Yeah, he's three plus, right? 30, yeah, he's, yeah. So he's in that era where like, yeah, I mean, they're starting to look like more like, you know, uh, Mark Brunel instead of, you know, Michael Vick. And so it's, uh, you know, you've got, you've got, you're dealing with, you know, that part of it too. So it's, 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 it hurts to see it. So, I mean, I, I, McGuire's been fantastic um, back there, which thank goodness. Right. I mean, it could have been a lot worse um, if Grandal had this, uh, who was it last year? What's his name? Everyone hated him. He's got Collins, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot worse if Collins was this backup and Grandal was struggling as he was. Cause I don't know if, I think Sox fans would actually probably melt yeah. down. I will say this. I don't think Grandal will be this bad the whole year. I mean, he was bad last year at the first half, too. Not this bad, but, I mean, he picked it up near the second half. So I'm holding out hope. Uh, it, it, the catcher thing is real, especially with you have that many, you know, the wear and tear on the knees. It affects your hitting. So a lot of the power comes from your legs. So we'll see. I'm hoping second half of the season we see, uh, you know, the numbers pick up a bit. I think he can still hit 20 home runs this year. I don't think the average is going to get over 200, uh, but – um, I think he'll still get over around 20 home runs. So we'll see. I'd like to kind of address this. Steve says, you know, uh, that he says in one of his parts, of his said they've been brutal. Even watching Grandal looks now looks off. Whole team looks uninterested, disinterested. So the, I think I want to kind of address right now is the, dis, the uh, you know, the disinterested White Sox. I, I think that that's way over reading. I think people are reading way too deep into things. Um, it's, it's funny because I think people associate dancing around like a damn circus clown with being, focused and being in the game you don't need people jumping around doing cartwheels to show that they're focused in the game some guys are quiet and maybe this group as a whole because you don't have big baby out there you don't have tim anderson out there you do have a bunch of guys that have been grinding to keep their careers going some of these guys aren't performance artists they're just out there to play ball so the disinterested thing it's not so much that i don't see them out there not playing hard i mean there's not, i don't really see a lot of circumstance where the dude's not guys aren't hustling out or busting ass, but there, if anything, especially we've seen some of the stupid base running gaffes, it's like tagging up from first when they can, you know, just hang tight. It's trying to do too much because they're struggling and, and watching a group of guys that have been given so much expectation coming into the season. Um, 
and not getting it done the way that everybody, including themselves, probably assumed. It's a gut punch, man. These guys are trying to figure out how to get off the mat. And sometimes, you know, when you're a little punch drunk, people just misinterpret that to not being focused or not being interested, which, of course, then leads to the, oh, it's Tony LaRusse's fault. And I think the disinterested argument is only usually portrayed out and thrown out there by people that think it's Tony LaRusse's fault that the White Sox aren't playing well. And yes, he has a, you know, a, a major you know, impact on that in that sense as a coach, but a coach is worth two wins max per season. And it's been proven year after year after year. He can't swing it. He can't throw it. He can't pick it. All he can do is try to push buttons and that's his job. So, it, it, you know, they're not disinterested as much as I think that they're just trying to figure out what the hell is going on because they know they're better than this. And what we're going to see is that second half, uh, that second half when they get to the, that second half of the season is an absolute cakewalk of a schedule. Yep. Um, you know, the White Sox, ironically enough, are 12 and 14 against uh, the teams that they've played this year that are going to be in the playoffs. Um, in my opinion, they're 12 and 14. And Steve Stone said it best on a post when he responded to me was that a good baseball team over 162 beats the bad teams like they should and then splits with the good teams. And that's kind of what they're doing to an extent, but they it's the stupid losses to the Tigers and the stupid losses to like, you know, Cleveland when, you know, or, you know, teams that are bad. They've had a couple of those stupid losses. Those drive you nuts. I don't think that's going to happen nearly as frequently in the second half of the season, though. And I think they're going to really be they're going to start rolling. But. 12 and 14 against playoff teams. That's not too damn shabby. Um, and right. that's the problem they had last year. They were horrible against winning teams and playoff teams. So a 12 and 14, you, I mean, if I'm a Sox fan, I'll take that. I'll take that as a, a you got a 50-50 chance of moving on every time you play someone in a round. Yeah, I mean, considering all the injuries they've had and how poorly they've played, they're staying afloat. It's been a tough schedule. It gets a lot easier. I think they have a stretch starting July 4th but they have 19 games against all divisional opponents. So I, it, and the division's not good outside the, outside the twins. So that the July 4th series will actually be pretty big um, against Minnesota. But I, I still think toe to toe, the White Sox are a better team and they're starting to play with some confidence now too. I think it's a lot of times too, all it takes is a spark to kind of get things going. And that Jake Berger pinch hit home run ever since that they've really been playing with some life. I think that was a huge win for them in Tampa um, that, that to take that series in general, because it started off, pretty ugly i mean they got their ass handed to him the first game and the second game you know there's not a whole lot of signs of life and i think that really sparked him that was it they played a really complete game in that first game against the dodgers so uh -huh. um I, I think that's the wake-up call they needed and people uh -huh. are going to be coming back reinforcements are on the way and the schedule's a lot easier as you said so i, I think they can turn this thing turn this thing around it doesn't get easy for them tonight because obviously they're playing uh gonsolin or you're going up against gonsolin who's been yeah. really good for the dodgers i mean you know, Sox fans, take a deep breath, man. The guy's 6-0 with a 1-4-7 ERA. He's carving everybody. So if the White Sox somehow snake one tonight, if they can somehow get to him. And look at that. Jake Berger on cue. Jack, 3-1, to one, White Sox. He's got two hits tonight. <laughs> Stud. Now I'm a lot of sweating. <laughs> oh, there you go. We might as well get into it. Jake Let's Berger, once again, uh, just uh, mention his name. It's a home run. Uh so, yeah, he's had – we've talked about it. He's had – every time there seems to be a big moment, he's the guy getting the big hit. I, I think, Mitch, you wrote about it. No moment is yeah. too big for him this season. He's um, had – he had a stretch of four games in a row. where he had the, Their last mm -hmm. four White Sox wins, he had the uh, game-winning RBI. And then the one uh -huh. he didn't, he had a huge RBI late in the game uh, or, like, early – he had another RBI early in the game. And then last night he had a big insurance run, too, against yeah. David Price. So he, he comes up with huge hits. Yeah, so Jake Berger obviously got the playing time with – you know, Yohan Moncada starting the year in the IL. 
getting at bats at DH, and even with Johan Mankatabak getting a few starts at third. Uh, the talk all year has always been, and for you know a few years now, is like who's going to be playing second base for the White Sox. You know, there's always fans screaming, just like, "Hey, just put Jake Berger in at second. We talked about it last week. Uh, you know, there's times defensively where it looks, it's like, ah, that that doesn't look good. Jake Berger at third base is natural position. Uh, there's a story out this week where he was talking about, you know, potentially getting time at second base. He thinks he can handle it. I mean, obviously you love, he, he's going to say anything uh, possible to stay in the lineup. So yeah. He's going to be like, yes, put me anywhere. I'll catch, I'll, I'll pitch. Or, I mean, I guess you wouldn't be uh, batting if you're pitching, but I'll do, I'll go anywhere uh, to stay in the lineup. But Mitch, would you sacrifice? Cause you know, you're sacrificing the defense, but would just yeah, to keep him the in the lineup. Way. I love jo- – hey, there you go, Gavin. What's that, his first hit this month? Good for him. Maybe they're getting to the dude. Maybe they're getting to a, getting to a Gonsolin a little bit. Hey, hey. That's – hey, exactly. Now, starting I mean, to speaking of Gavin Sheets, Gavin Sheets is the one guy who is not cheering for uh, Jake Rigger because uh, Jake no. Rigger is the reason that Gavin Sheets is going to be in AAA in a couple weeks. <laughs> As well he should, the way he's yeah. been hitting. But um, – <laughs> Actually, maybe Josh Harrison at this point, but we'll, we'll get to, that, oh, I, to answer your question. I would not put Jake Berger at second base. Now, I, I think he should stay because I wrote about this when he first came up and he, he was hot. Like, there's no reason they should send him back down. He needs to stay in the lineup, especially the way he's hitting. He's provided him a spark. Um, and the way Yoel Moncada has been batting, they can afford to alternate him at third base until he figures his stuff out. But Jake Berger, he's been a sufficient third baseman defensively. I just don't think he's athletic enough for second base. And one of the Sox major flaws has been poor defense this year. So putting Jake Berger at second base, where he doesn't have a whole lot of experience. He's not athletic enough. I don't think to play it at the moment. I think that's just a recipe for disaster. Now I, I do. I am fine with them giving, getting more starts at third base to Mankata. And the fact that they're DHing him a lot shows that they want to put him in the lineup. So um, I'm fine. I'm fine with them implementing him. However, they want to. They can get creative. I don't think second base uh, is the answer. I would actually go with Danny Mendick at second. The way he's playing, I think he's a much better fielder. Um, he's a, just as good, if not better, than Josh Harrison fielding wise, and he's hitting the ball well. I, I think it's a hot stretch. He's not going to be hitting over 300 the entire year, but it looks like he's figured it out at the plate. And I think he he's one of those guys. He's a quiet, scrappy type player, but he's gotten an opportunity with Tim Anderson out, and he's taking advantage of it. And I think he's been he's been playing really well. I, I actually liked him at the leadoff spot uh the two games he was up there i thought uh he played really well igniting a couple rallies and uh now leary garcia is back in the starting lineup for some <laughs> odd reason but out of all the people on the roster if we're not going to call up the Olbert sanchez danny mendick is the guy that should be playing second base i think when anderson comes back i thought i think this is kind of interesting too because it kind of plays into that too you're talking about you know burger and, and some of these guys that are with moncada like and, and you just mentioned Lurie too Lurie too is what the heck? You drop Moncada, who rightfully he's struggling, right? You're banging your head against the wall at this point. Maybe the guy needs a little relief, push him down on the lineup, give him a couple more straight balls, and allow him kind of like to relax. And they did it for one game. And then immediately back today, Moncada's back in the three. They dropped him, I think, seven last night. Uh, yeah. And now and they put him right back, right back in the three. Like, what? Like, that didn't help him. Like, what no. does that help at all? That's so I, I that one, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on that. And by the way, uh, it was a three and count to Pollock. And uh, Gonsolin has not thrown a strike in the next the two pitches following the 3-0 count, and yet it is still a 3-2 count. Neither pitch were even in the strike zone. Ugh. So strike one and strike two, pitch four and pitch five, where one was actually, it looks like it's about 8 to 12 inches out of the zone, actually. Really bad strike call. So that sucks. I'm all for a 3-0 green light, but at least to make it a hittable pitch. That's that's yeah, tough. Those aren't, those yeah. aren't 
but he didn't swing. It just take take strike ones, take strike two. Like that, that's there wasn't green light. The umpire has now called two pitches out of the zone to strike. Should be ball four and ball five. But yeah, as far as the lineup construction goes, though, I think Tony LaRusso almost at this point, he just thinks he's like got to outsmart everyone. Everything's a chess match. He's, well, he wants to be one step ahead of everyone. I don't even think he knows what he's doing. And I get he likes Leary Garcia. I like Leary Garcia, too, but it's getting hard to defend Leary because he's constantly getting exposed because LaRusso over replays him. And I hate it. I love Leary. I don't like trash and Leary, but he's getting way too much playing time. He should not be batting leadoff. He should be anywhere near the top five of the lineup which is baffling, especially because, like, the Dodgers got shut out yesterday. They basically had the same lineup uh, out today. Like, the first five of the order was basically identical. And the White Sox, you know, they they looked fairly productive yesterday. They had the big four-run inning, and the lineup's completely shuffled. It's, it's almost like it worked too well, so he had to mix it up. I, It's baffling. That's one of the big complaints I have about Tony. I think he gets more flack than he deserves, but, like, the lineup thing this year has been – he deserves some of the shrapnel he's gotten from that. I would have to say, like, the uh, surprise to anyone listening, uh, me defending Tony Lewis about the lineup stuff, even, like, early on, like, when the offense was just, I mean, it's not like the offense has gotten, like, that much better, but they've been a little more consistent these past couple weeks. Uh, but early on, like, through May, when it was, or through April, when they just could not score, like, more than one or two runs a game, it's like, like, who, who are you going to, who are you going to start when, like, no one's hitting? Yeah. Um, but I do agree the the Larry Garcia thing, because yeah, he's been around forever with the Sox. He's like one of the longest tenured players on the team. You know, he's good for, we've talked about it for years. He's great for the role that he is, which is just a utility, a solid bench guy that you can like plug and play spot to spot. You don't want him playing every day. And you obviously don't want him uh, batting at the top of the order when he's one of your worst hitters. That just reminds me of like when the Cubs were uh, still actually trying to compete. <laughs> I hate to pile on, but like shout out to Albert Elmore Jr. who's doing great with the Reds this year. But <laughs> after it was after he was figured out by the league when he was with the Cubs, and like Joe Madden would just keep keep putting him in the leadoff spot just because hey, we put him in the leadoff spot forever. Why why would we change this? Like because he's been bad for a year and a half. So you can please please stop that. <laughs> we don't want to hate on this guy over and over again. But you're making it very hard for us not to like call this obvious thing out. And uh, by doing it, the, the Larry Garcia thing, uh, man, that, that's a head scratcher. And again, everyone has their uh, uh, their critiques of every manager, every lineup, like every day. Like no matter if you're a good team or a bad team, we we see that in Chicago. Like Cubs, they're a bad team. We still complain about the lineup every day. Sox, obviously, a good team who's underperforming. You're competing. You're obviously gonna get mad uh, with lineup stuff every day, especially when you when you can see oh, the yeah. numbers. It's like if you go but, on Twitter, there's hundreds of qualified yeah. MLB <laughs> managers. Apparently, if you look at it. Speaking of which, though, kind of a side note. You brought up Joe Madden. That was the big baseball news this week. Yes. He got fired. I'm curious. Kevin got White Sox fans riled up. I always thought that Joe Madden was overrated, even with the Cubs. I thought he tried to uh, blow that game seven uh, for them. I, you know, I just thought he's kind of goofy. But as Cubs fans, what did you think of him? Are you surprised he got fired? I, I'm curious. I'm a little bit surprised, just because. I mean, they got. I mean, the Angels were look where they were at before that 12 game stinker. I mean, stinkers suck and feels like the world's collapsing. But I mean, they actually early on earned the right to struggle and as well. But it did remind me a little bit. Uh, I mean, but. I mean, Madden wasn't even with the Cubs last year, but last year when the Cubs were in first place round now, you know, they, they no hit the Dodgers and then they lost how many games straight. And it, I think it, we're it, coming up on the yeah. anniversary of that. 
So, I mean, losing streaks suck, and there's a lot of pressure. I think the Angels just suck as an organization. So I'm feeling that the Angels made the shitty decision. Joe Madden is Joe Madden, man. Uh, you know, and you're going to, you know, I'm sure that that will, you know, unless there was an issue in the locker room, those, everybody that loves, everyone that plays for Joe loves playing for Joe. I can tell you that just from talking to KB all the time. Everyone fucking loves Joe. And so it's not a clubhouse issue by any means. I, I think it's the Angels probably playing to the crowd and the mob more than playing to logic. Joe Madden has done this enough and you're not really replacing him <laughs> with a very good replacement it's uh what's his name uh it's phil nevin right phil nevin yeah i mean i mean okay the guy that's won a world series or phil nevin um so i, I think it was a knee-jerk reaction and and you know what though you know winning spoils fans in a short burst just like we've seen with the white Sox with the losing streaks and winning streaks it also can again with losing streak can spoil i mean we've seen white Sox, how white Sox fans felt during that really bad was that eight game losing streak or whatever it was or nine game losing streak earlier followed up by a six game winning streak you know, it was it was like two sides of the same coin, and so with 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 Madden, I think the dudes. I don't think he's out of touch. Uh, I you know I, I mean, what do you want him to do? Like, I just don't get. I, I don't get this stuff with everybody. Why does everybody have to dance around, scream, and just show their ass to be doing their job? Like, I don't get that part of it. Oh, he's he's just so calm on the bench. Okay, like, there's a million ways to skin a cat. There's a million ways to lead, and. You know, go flying off the handle is actually a fucking stupid way to keep a locker room together because you're unreliable and you save it for when you need it. You don't just blow up every fucking time you have a bad thing. You you make them matter. And fans don't get that because every day is a reset. They think it's PlayStation baseball and you can't do it that way. You save your big moments, as I call it, the Bull Durham moment where you get everybody in the shower and you throw all the bats in the shower and you start yelling at everybody and you lollygag around the infield. You get that whole whatever speech you... Trust me, coaches practice these things. Trust me. Um, and you go and you give your speech and you 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 kick them in the ass a little bit. But if you constantly are kicking people in the ass every single day, you gotta cut them. Not the not the coach, the players. I mean, that's that's a that's a player problem. That's a that's a heart problem. That's a character issue. And so I think that the biggest thing with Madden is he's not disconnected. I just think that right now, I mean, the the Angels still weren't necessarily built to to win yet. Like as good a, as top heavy as they are, talent wise, they're not really I mean, just, they're not better than Houston. Sorry. I mean, but the expectations increased with that great start. Yeah. I think when the news first came out, I would say, I think I was a little surprised just because, uh, I don't know, like better manager. He had success in tech. He took it to a World Series, lost the Phillies. Uh, I mean, they had a couple of great years at, uh, in Tampa Bay with him as manager. Uh, but right now, quickly going through it, Maybe not that surprised because I think this is I think that 2022 is the final year of his contract. You are go, you are expected. I mean, yes, they don't have as much talent overall, especially on the pitching side as Houston entering the season. Like they're always they were never like the favorite, you know, to win the AL West. Uh, I mean, if anything, they were like a just fringe like wild card team. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think now thinking about it, it's like it's the year three. There, you always hear teams that do have at least some talent. I mean, they start off great. Uh, besides this now 13 game losing streak, I think heading into Wednesday, um, it's like just giving the kick in the butt, I guess, because like probably you're probably not going to renew him anyway because he is like he's like one of the oldest managers in baseball now. 
maybe the oldest, I think. I, or, well, I forget about Tony Larissa. Um, but <laughs> I think I think Joe Madden's like one of the, or was not anymore, well, one of the oldest managers, uh, second to Larissa in the league. Like, you're probably not going to renew him after year three if you're not going to win anyway. Um, you're going through a tough stretch. I don't know. So I guess maybe not that surprising. Uh, but uh, in terms of like his, uh, what I thought about when he was with the Cubs, uh, just how Kevin, you brought it up, how just the the way he went uh, about things. I hate the whole hard ass manager coach stuff. That's why I never really liked when people were saying like, "Oh, Joe Girardi to the Cubs." I'm like, "No, I don't need that." Uh, to me, no, that's worked off. out for Girardi. <laughs> yeah. He's me, despised. His former players hate him. We've had Chasen on here. Yeah. I mean, come on. That, like I, that does that stuff doesn't come off uh, genuine to me. Uh, so I always like that Joe Madden just was always the same. He like Cubs. I, it was frustrating. I, like believe me, uh, when in 2018, when they're when they were still a very good team, but like there was times like they were getting blown out, and it's like, hey, are are you going to do something? Are you say something? Bench a guy? Do something? <laughs> But no, I like that he's always the same. It's like, hey, we won 10-0. Good. Celebrate for half an hour. Move on. Hey, we fucking lost 12-1 to to the Cardinals. Sucks. Like, be mad about it. Be sad about it. Cry. Do whatever for half an hour. Let's move on. Uh, so I was like that mentality from him. Yes, the uh, World Series, Game 7. You know, those decisions. Chapman, the Game 6. Pitching him. Uh, yeah, it was obviously dicey. Um but uh, overall, I there was there was always stuff that you could say about Joe Madden was a sign because near the end it was like it, it sucks because think about it we always think about like with Theo and like all those players like these guys you know they they're the first team they're the first group that won the World Series for the Cubs you know they're gonna be gods forever right but like think about from 2016 through when Joe Madden was let go at the end of 2019 there was a majority of the fan base was like good. Or like finally, you're like like late, like get out of here. We don't want you anymore. And it was because like there was frustrating things. Um, but hey, I I, I, I like I, that is fine. Although, do you think? Do you think with Madden too? And I think I I I honestly think this is a big thing. He lost his bad cop. Uh, Madden plays good cop so well, and he lost his bad cop when when Davy Martinez went to the Nationals. I think Davy Martinez brought out the best in Joe Madden because he allowed Joe Madden to be Joe Madden, but Davey Martinez will get into somebody's ass a little bit, but also Davey Martinez is a coach that you go drink with. He's your buddy that you, you fear and respect at the same time. And he made, he made for a great bench coach under a guy like Matt, you know, Madden that, that will bring out a damn petting zoo and a, you know, a magician. And, you know, he's, you know, he's going to have some vino with you in his, you know, his, his cool hipster trailer called the cousin Eddie, you know, he's going to do all that stuff. And then, you know, if you get out of line, you know, and that's what I thought Cairo was going to be for the White Sox, too, is the guy that gets into everybody's ass for the guy. Because, again, um, yes, they are older. You let them be, you know, be their older selves. You know, they, the older you get, the less piss and vinegar you have. It's just, it's just, I mean, it's probably the fact it's the testosterone loss, too, probably. But you need to have somebody that's going to go out there and, and light somebody up on occasion for you. Be your, be your, your muscle, if you will, your bad cop. And I think when he lost. Davy Martinez, I think that obviously affected Joe Madden. And we're seeing it with, with I think, too, with Tony La Russa. I don't think Miguel Cairo. I think Miguel Cairo might be someone that could should get the axe or looked at as far as doing their job. Because if there's a lack of discipline, I mean, it's not on the the the, the old guy to go running up and down. And the, 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 you know, we've seen him run. We saw him run last year. We want to try not to do that again uh, when he <laughs> has to go. go you know, what the, <laughs> so bad. Um, so you need someone that's going to just 
you know, lay into somebody on occasion. And, and, and that's that guy's job. So I think that Madden, the same thing, he's been kind of operating without a bad cop last couple of years. And I think it makes a difference when, when, you know, you can have the dudes respect you and love you all you want, but some, there has to be some reprehend, you know, some, some comp consequences and repercussions for your actions and sometimes for your failures too. Like you don't want to punish a guy for just, it's not getting done, but sometimes you've got to send a message. I almost, yeah, oh, I, ahead, I almost think him and Girardi were kind of similar in the way they got fired because it's almost the consequence of signing these big free agent name players because you have all these marquee players. Like you got two MVPs and Mike Trout, and Shohei Otani and Rendon. Uh, and so you're expected to win. But really, the roster really wasn't all that complete. The pitching staff kind of stunk. The bullpen wasn't all that great. And the same thing with the Phillies. Mm. You got Real Muto, mm -hmm. Harper. Uh, you got all the Castellanos they just signed. So on paper, it looks like they should be a Schwarber, uh, another one. But, like, it's not a complete team because they're pouring all their money into these. So um, as much as the Sox fans complained about the lack of free agents, which I did too. I think there's some guys they whiffed on. Uh, that's what you, you – it's a team game. You need a deep roster, especially if like bullpen and pitching. Uh, and so that, I think they were kind of casualties of that as well. Cause fans expected, Hey, they got Mike Trout. They should be winning games. And that, that was the punishment for Joe Matt. Yeah. I'll say this about the Phillies, by the way, the Phillies. I mean, I, I, it didn't happen to coincide with the, I don't think it even coincided with the firing, but I mean, the addition of Bryson Stott to that lineup is obviously paid dividends. If you look at their record right now, they've won, Dating back, I mean, we were just talking about those. They lost to the Giants on the 31st. I can't remember what day Girardi was fired, but they beat the Giants on the 1st. And since the 1st, they are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 0. Oh, and now five, they're up 5 nothing on Milwaukee. They're on the verge of winning their 6th straight game. Um, Bryson Stott was called up, what, June 1st. So they actually added to their lineup a guy that we've talked about on this show a thousand times as a kid I've, I've coached against and, and, you know, practiced with alongside. I'm friends with his mom. Are you on his stat page? Kevin? Do me a favor. Can you pull up his, his game log, Bryson Stott's game log? Sure, yeah. For the Phillies? Because I think this is going to be second baseman, right? He is a baseman, yeah. Um, let me see here. Stats. I, because I do believe he made the team uh, out of spring training uh, for the Phillies. Struggled. That. Bad, very bad. Uh, first time up in the majors. Um, but like, I think he was like hitting the 100s for a while. Uh, he wasn't. Oh, but he, okay, so he started his first game. He was two for four with a double. So, go, so what were his numbers up to when he got sent down? So he got sent down April 19th. So his numbers, he did. He he went, he had a really jump. He jumped out. It was two for four, over three, over three, two for four. And then he went over 12, over 16. And that 16th game, or that 16th, 16th O, oh, uh, he was sent down after he had won a bat. I think he pinch hit against Colorado, and then they sent him down that night. So um, he hasn't come. Up, he didn't come up until June first. He was back up on May eighth, okay. and was kind of up a little bit there and there, like two hits, and then a, you know go disappear for a couple games, and then you know two hits, one hit, and then two games out, and then one, and then he yeah he had another spell where he was like O oh, for like twelve, yeah. Uh, but then they brought him up, you know, and, and, and now, you know, how he's, I mean, I guess he's been on the squad a little bit longer. I don't know why I felt like he was. So, well, I just wanted to bring it because I do remember him that he started off, he struggled or he had a lot of struggles early on and then he was sent down and then, you know, brought back. Um, and I slowly want to transition this into some Cubs talk and just. Bring... Right. Can I correct myself though? I oh, thought he was called up. Uh, June 1st or May 31st. That's apparently when he woke up. Uh, okay. He's been consistent innings, but since May 31st, he's three, five, six, eight. I mean, tonight he's already got uh he hit a homer tonight. He hit a homer tonight. 
So he's got a he's got another homer and two RBIs. I mean, he's in this month he's hitting 263 with two homers, six RBIs, couple walks, couple stolen bases. So in the month of June, and then you add in that that other game, uh, the last game of May, he, he, you know, makes a difference. I mean, so we brought this up before he was injured. He's come back from the injured list, and it's he's looked he looked good for a couple games, but then just a lot of the same. Uh, Nick Madrigal has sucked really bad this year. Uh, we've had the conversation when you in April, back in April, uh, should the Cubs send him down to AAA? Um, obviously, he was coming off the his surgery uh, that ended his 2021 season. Um, you know, obviously, big expectations going back to his Sox days, fourth overall pick. You know, yeah, everyone's saying like, yeah, he, he he's gonna hit. He's always gonna hit, no matter what. He's gonna always gonna hit. You wait for the defense to come along uh, and other stuff, which is fine. But the one thing you always hear, great hit tool, doesn't strike out. He's going to hit 300. Don't worry, guys. He's, gonna, he's hitting like 205. Um, again, not a, not a big sample size. He's been a lot better for more than he's been bad throughout his first, like I think it's 113 games now. The Bleacher Nation uh, wrote a story Wednesday morning just looking at what kind of contact is he making. And – this again, you never want to root guys, especially younger guys that you expect to be part of a part of your next contending team. Which, when the trade happened with the White Sox, that's what Nick Madrigal was billed as like, hey, this is going to be one of your pieces, uh, for you know, your next team down the line that's going to compete. Nick Madrigal, Nick Madrigal right now is averaging a, 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 any ball he hits is going 100 feet. He's got an average launch angle of point negative point nine. Just straight into the ground, Mitch. Straight into the ground. I know you talked about last week that you're you're a, yeah, a magical I, believer, and I'm not saying that I'm not. But man, it's getting tough <laughs> to defend the the move. Just him. If you, I'll ask you first, Mitch, and then uh, Kevin, you can uh, uh-huh. jump on after. If you were the Cubs at this point, you've seen he's played like thirty something games, I think, this year for the Cubs. Again, he's hitting like 200. His strikeout rate has doubled, I think, from his Sox days. Yeah, it went from 8% strikeout rate to 14%. Like, so, like, almost, yeah, almost doubled, uh, which, I mean, 14% is still way below league. Uh, I mean, he's still way be- uh, or above uh, the league average, but he just looks overmatched right now. Now, my argument has been I'm fine either way if you want to keep letting him up because, again, it doesn't matter for the Cubs. They're not competing this year. If a guy does bad, it's okay. You, at least you're seeing what he can do. Uh, but I, I also don't mind if they do just send him down to AAA. Hey, get some confidence in you. Uh, fix whatever is going on with you because he just he, – I hate to say it. He just looks like a guy who isn't going to be in the league in a year or two. That's that's how bad it's gotten with Nick Madrigal. I'm going to disagree with you on the send the down thing, by the way, just kind of interject. I – Right what now, the hell, I, I, I hell else do the Cubs have to play for? The Cubs aren't winning shit this year. So why not let the guy just go out there, play the string out, so you can see exactly what you have at the major league level? Because you're not fucking... We know that they're not trying. We know the yeah. Cubs aren't trying. It's blatantly obvious they're not trying. But see, that's so, why I brought up Bryson Stott. Because Bryson Stott struggled. Uh, different situations. Bryson Stott was the first time uh, that he's been in the majors. But he made the team, struggled for th- a couple weeks, got sent down. Got called back up. He's been doing a little better, and then he's been hot. He struggled, he struggled for like 15, 16 games before after he got called up. They let him just play. He went over. He had. If you look at, he was called up like early May, and he played all the way through the month of May. 
terrible until May 31st. That's true. Why? Because you swing out of it, you know? And that's the thing with Magical. We, there's, He's not swinging really, out of it, though, Kevin. But, but, well, <laughs> how many? You said it's been 30 games. The last two and, games. And that's the thing. I will give him. I'll <laughs> but, give him the benefit of the doubt because he is coming back from, like, another injury. Like, he had the back thing, the back strain, so he missed a couple weeks. So, obviously, he's not going to be in the full routine back. He's not going to be in the same rhythm at – like batting, but man, it, that's the thing. For me, he just looks overmatched. But I would, I would say for two things. One, you definitely don't send him down. As you guys said, they're not trying to win this year. I think some, some people were fooled by some of the offseason moves. Oh, it's a retooling. No, it's a rebuild. Like it, it's what it is. They're not winning anything this year, like you said. So he should be getting. This is the time to see what you got. Give him his at bats. That's number one. Number two, he's coming off the injury. He's never gonna hit the ball hard. He didn't even hit the ball hard when he's with the White Sox. That size, he's not going to be like smoking him at over 100 miles an hour. Uh, but he makes contact with it. I think the timing got disrupted a little bit with the injury. But he also doesn't have as much lineup protection as he did last year. And I, I in the first two years. It's got I, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean. He's got the best hitter in baseball, in Christopher Morel behind him. In front of him. He's got Hayward in front of him. Poor Nico Horner has Hayward yeah. in front of, behind him. <laughs> it's still, yeah, I still just don't think it's doesn't have the same line of protection there. So I give him some time to get back into the groove. Now, if the strikeout rate thing's a little bit concerning, but like once he starts making contact again and getting back into the swing of things, because his whole career he's hit, like everywhere he's went, he's hit right. even the first two years with the Sox. And he started off slow last year too, not this slow, but he started off pretty slow. And by the end, before he got hurt, he was batting over 300 and he was hitting the ball well. He had a couple home runs in there too. So give him a little bit of time. I still think, you know, he can turn this thing around. Without checking, without checking too, because one of the big knocks is, of course, is 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 Nick Magical's defense too. Is that what people have been expecting? How many errors you guys think over and over? Do you guys think how many? Without checking, how many errors do you think Nick Magical has two thousand in two thousand twenty two so far? Ooh, maybe one or zero. I'll go three. Zero. He has oh, not. Good. Good for Nicky. Two thousand twenty two. Now. He still gets criticized because on the like the other day that that chopper by Paul Goldschmidt that ball that chopped he probably chopped eighty thousand feet into the air that there's no way anybody's going to feel cleanly and get a throw off he's it's but magical comes up and tries to do just a quick redirect and kind of make a uh, do or die kind of oh please you know God forbid Goldschmidt trips or something and you might still get the out and he still gets shit on her being a bad defender I'm like that's a do or die play that doesn't really I mean he's making the plays that he's supposed to make he's got yeah. zero and, and a so lot of- better than what you know. Maybe he's not making some of the non-routine plays, uh, which annoy people, but he's played solid defense with you know, the he's Cubs. Been, he's been solid. And that's, that's the way yeah. That's the thing too. Like once you get that stigma as like a bad defender, it just kind of becomes lazy criticism at that point. People just assume it. They see Nick Badger, oh, it's bad defender. So the tough play like that, it's like, oh, it's the bad deal. Like, Tim Anderson had the same thing. People call mm-hmm. him a bad defender, which he did make a lot of errors, but his defense turned around the last two weeks before he got injured. And he was making a lot of tough plays. So, you know, they're not going to make every routine play out there. But Madrigal is an excellent fielder in college. So, uh, and he is playing. He is a natural shortstop. They kind of moved him over to second. So, it's not as, he's not his natural position. So, um, I, I think he'll be fine. I, I, I think the Cubs got a good player on their hands there. Now, is he going to be like a superstar? No. But he'll be a solid guy that will bat over 250 every year uh, and play solid defense at second base. He's just not getting on enough for us to determine whether or not he's – Fix the base running issues. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> to, to, to fuck I, up before we can judge. I do wonder, outside of just like the physical, I mean, like the injury stuff, like then just the mental stuff. This is like the first time ever in his life, probably, that he's like been bad. 
Yeah. Like, because even when he, when he did start off slow last year with the White Sox, like it seemed to turn around like at the end of April, beginning of May. Um, not, not even that too confidence wise. He, you have to remember, it is a first round draft pick on a contending team. Yeah. And he was told that he's going to be like one of the future. He was the future second baseman. That's what everyone had. And they're like plans. Mm-hmm. Nick Madrigal is going to be the future of the second baseman when the White Sox are winning world series. And then he got traded at the deadline. So that shouldn't have like, that could not have helped his confidence either. Like, yeah. wow, I didn't think I was going to get traded even. And then you kind of come back from injury and then you have a lineup with no protection. in it. There's a lot of things working against him right now. Yeah. No, no doubt. Yeah, no, that's the thing. It's like so, like it's a confidence thing. So that that's the only, not the only reason, but like you know, get him, get some AAA guys, get him, get him batting, get his confidence up a little. You know, yeah, that, setting him down to AAA, like, setting him to Iowa will really get his confidence up. Yeah, I just got I, traded hey, from a contender, hey, and now I'm playing in Iowa. That's Kevin, show the numbers to when the Cubs uh, fucked Frank Schwindel, and then how he's been ever since he had to ride middle class Ooh, in, yeah. or, or uh, in the middle seat to San Diego. <laughs> You gotta scare them sometimes, Mitch. <laughs> right? Maybe. Sometimes it's the uh, get on an airplane, fly to Iowa, fake them out. I think have did. somebody get COVID. Back on the next flight, give him a damn middle seat <laughs> in coach or something. And then uh, he comes back and he's just fine. No, now that you mentioned it, did they do that with Schwarber too? Sure, yeah, so, yeah. 2017. Yeah. 2017. So Schwarber made his MLB debut 2015. Was fantastic for those like final two and a half months or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously they, got injured in 2016, coming back for the World Series. 2017, you know, he has all the hype in the world, right? Okay. They start him off the year as like the leadoff hitter because like the Cubs just had no one to lead off. He was, he stunk. He was like putting up grand all numbers. He was hitting like 160. Just, he was walking a little, but like there was no power. It's like, what the hell is wrong with you? They sent him down for like three weeks, I think. He came back, he was solid. Like he, he wasn't like, he wasn't like great or anything, but he was like solid again. He was contributing again. He was back to like his rookie numbers. And I was like, all right, cool. Uh, they've done some other players too. Ian Happ. Yeah. Ian Happ got, he was starting most games in 2018. He didn't make the team off spring in out of spring training in 2019. Yeah, he, he didn't, he didn't get back up to the Cubs when the Cubs were struggling a little in 2019. He didn't get back up to the major leagues until July. So, <laughs> They was but again, back? that's the old regime, though. So I don't know how this new regime. And, yeah, they were play. contending too. So I think that's how they have a little bit less patience. Yeah. I think that'd be the only difference. Now they can afford the guy yeah. to stink it up a bit. Although, what was the uh, who was it against on that Sunday night game? For the the the, the oh, Schwindel, Wainwright. No, Schwindel got sent down though. The Cubs played that night on Sunday Night Baseball because that was the night Schwindel was supposed to be answering a bunch of questions on the live broadcast. Oh. <laughs> uh, who were they playing? Yeah, I can't remember who it was. Like, was it the Dodgers? I think it was the Dodgers. Maybe it's the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was the Dodgers because the Cubs played Sunday Night Baseball in Chicago, and then they had to fly that night to San Diego. Yes. Okay, so uh, where is that game though? It says May seventh, May seventh, and then no game on May eighth. Yeah, it was the Dodgers, according to Mr. Martinez. Well, Schwindel didn't. I don't think Schwindel played the next hand, right? Or Dale, maybe he just didn't play. Okay, okay. So, yeah. yeah, so we're looking at that. I mean, he's got 2, 4, 6, 7, 10, 11, 13, 17, 21. Oh, God, what am I looking at? Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, since I mean, since since Aldo pissed on him in our chat, um, I mean, in the month of June, he's hitting 333 with a with a 593 slugging percentage, and a, you know, so he, I mean, he's got a 394 on base percentage. He's having a really good June, but uh, 
I'd say, I mean, he's, we've talked, I think we talked about it a little bit in this show too, with compared to wisdom versus Schwindel. I always thought that Schwindel was always going to be more inclined to snap out of it and, and go beyond being a 220 guy. Whereas wisdom, I think is who he is. He's just going to hit a home run or he's going to disappear for a couple of names. And so that's, you know, that's, that's, that's his thing. But Schwindel, I think is a professional hitter. So yeah, he's, he's actually, I mean, especially in the month of June, I mean, his to- he's got 16 total bases in the month of June. Um, so he's he's putting the ball in play and he's putting the ball where they're not and he's, he's you know so his batting average went from 220 to start the month to he's at 240 so mm-hmm. not too shabby you know if frank schwindel since like that since he was basically optioned to triple a and then the cubs had a mini COVID outbreak and they had to bring him back yep. he's basically put up the numbers that like the numbers haven't been again they haven't been like that great like he no one expected him to repeat his numbers from last year those were, I was looking at him again. I was like, well, this well, guy well, did what? Hold on. Nobody expected it. Uh, the Cubs tried to sell Schwindel as expected to put up those numbers like he did last year. Oh. That's what they that legitimately do. I mean, the articles coming from the water carriers, like the Tribune and, and, and those, those gents was Schwindel is going to carry the Cubs. Bleacher Report. I want to say Bleacher Report. I'm going to go there too. Mike, sorry. Um, you guys were selling us that Schwindel was going to be a, 300 310 hitter that was going to be like he was last everyone it's from that group that was the, that was the gaslighting there was like the, the, the cubs sold wisdom and schwindel as like brizzo it's kind of like that scene in Moneyball where they traded all the good players and the next year they have like the big david justice banner it's like that with frank yeah. everyone's like all right yeah like come on now frank frank schwindel <laughs> it's right. frank yeah, schwindel. yeah. uh yeah, but like his numbers because i think he's hitting like since whenever that was like May 8th, since the San Diego series through now, he's hitting like, you know, like 260 with like a 330 on base. He's slugging a little more now. Uh, so that's basically what at least I thought he would be this year, which is solid, which is a solid production from first baseman. And he's just perfectly replaceable. That, that That's just, that's just what Frank Schwindel is. And it's fine. He's like He's a veteran bat you want off the bench. That's what yeah, he is. No, but like, that's the thing for like, for this Cubs team, it's just like, Hey, it's a guy that it's fun to root for. That, that that's all these guys are on a good team. Um, he's a great role player. He would be a great role player on a yeah. good team. And that's, I mean, I love him. He's a professional mature and a good clubhouse guy. That is your first right-handed bat off the bench. That is a, a spot starter. When your first baseman, your real first baseman needs a, needs a blow on, you know, a day or two. So, I, and that's unfortunate for, for Schwindel too. It sucks because he is awesome, but people wanted him to be something more. And the expectation was that it was going to be so much more that, that struggle was such a massive letdown. And I feel like he almost bought into the clippings as well. And it was like a shock to the system that he, the league adjusted. That's what the league does. And he struggled a bit, but he's a professional hitter. And I think they talk about a guy getting the swing out of it and he's kind of swung out of it. It's, it's the only thing that could really, you know, repetition is, is, is be, yep. you know, be, reads habit. Um, so the other big, uh, I guess, rumor, um, surrounding the Cubs this week was uh, Bob Nightingale, USA Today, wrote a story quoting uh, an anonymous GM saying that the Cubs were guaranteed, guaranteed to sign one of the big three free agent shortstops in the offseason. Talking about Trey Turner, uh, Xander Bogarts, if he opts out, uh, and then Carlos Correa, if he opts out. And like, I mean, at at this point, it seems pretty obvious that those two players will opt out and join uh, free agency once again along with Turner. And then there's also uh, Dansby Swanson from Atlanta, who's going to be a free agent. Uh, so Kevin, who do you want? Let's play in this fantasy world where the Cubs actually uh, try to sign good players in the off season and spend money. 
for the first time uh, in a while. Who do you want? I mean, this is such a hypothetical. It feels like an actual, like, <laughs> such a hypothetical. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, mean, I, I, I do like the way Correa plays the game. Um, I think he's a winner. He's, he's tasted quite a bit of success in his career. He's, he's also seen, you know, been on a part of a, a really rocky, uh, you know, era or moment for the, for, for, you know, him and his teammates. And he, you know, I think he's, he's, he's shown to be, you know, like him or not, he's shown to be a guy that really will go to the mattresses for his own teammates. So that always, that always sticks with me as well. He was out there front and center the whole time, all that stuff with the, the sign stealing stuff and wearing it in a sense, but also being a little bit, you know, combative for his own teammates. Not, you know, you, you respect that you hate it if you're not with them, but if you're in that clubhouse, you love that guy. So I think that, that, that right there, along with obviously the potential out, uh, offensive production, but he does have a Soriano concern to me, which is, it is a longer contract and, and, or, you know, you, you give a guy like that, how is he going to age over the next like six to eight years? So, you know, he's going to want a, like an eight or a nine year contract. You know, he, he's not going to go for the 10 now because he got that one year. You know, he's getting his one year with the twins. So you're looking at an eight or a nine year deal, which means the Cubs will offer him four. Um, and so Kevin, say, come on, we're in fantasy well, land. They're offering him an eight year deal. At least they'll, they'll blame they the boogie. losses of biblical proportions. They can't afford them. And they'll just blame uh, Scott Boris, the boogeyman, because it's always <laughs> Scott Boris's fault. It's not the fault of the Cubs. We tried to sign Korea this offseason. We offered him a contract for seven years, but he changed agents. Yes, because you didn't follow up. You didn't You didn't think to say, hey, but I lost this. The, you didn't get the phone number. New phone, who this? Um, so the phone number. <laughs> you're like, uh, I forgot. Was this guy Scott Boris? I, what's it? Look up. I can't spell his name right. I can't find him. Never mind. Don't call him. No, I, I think Korea would be good. I mean, Trey Turner is cool too. Uh, Bogart is interesting. Bogart is interesting just because, I mean, how old is he? Because he, I mean, he's, he, he has a little, um, I think he is, right? He's always 29. So going to be, th- yeah. 29. And the Korea is, is he 31? No, no Korea, Korea is only 27. Oh, so there's no concern there. Like, I, I Kevin, that. that's why I was pounding the table. Like, you are getting a guy who's still entering his prime years. Get I, me. Because he's a guy that's going to end up like a Manny, and that was a DH too. A guy yes. that, like, that can keep hitting even when he's 37. Um, so he could have DH, especially with the DH now. The Cubs fucked that one up. Just give him 10 years. Why do you just give him 10 years, man? And that's the thing. Like, everyone said, like, I, we are a Nico Horner show. Love Nico Horner. He's been fantastic at shortstop, answering all the doubters. And I'll hand up. I, I had doubts about his arm playing at shortstop. He's been fantastic at shortstop. He is also a gold glove caliber defender at second base. Um, if you do sign, let's say, any of the shortstops, again, fantasy land for Cubs fans at this point. Um, if you sign him for like Correa, let's use Correa as an example. You can easily move over Horner to second base, have Correa at shortstop when he starts to lose the athleticism. Hey, third base exists. Move to third base. When he doesn't have it anymore and he's 35, hey, the National League has the DH. Move him there. So, like, for me, it's it's a it's a win-win no matter what uh, for a guy like Correa. And even, like, Turner. I know Turner, Trey Turner, uh, I talk about, like, uh, a great leadoff hitter that the Cubs just haven't had forever. Um that guy's fantastic. His defense has been a little poor this year at shortstop. But hey, if he struggles, move him to second. I don't care. Like, <laughs> well, you, made really great, you made a really great case just now of why the Cubs need to let Nick Magical play this string out. Because if they are going to go after one of those three shortstops, that means that's with the expectation that Nico Horner is going to have to shift over to second. And you want to know that. Do you have to do that? If, if, if you find out that Nick Magical could be a dude, 
maybe you don't have to specifically feel like not getting one of those three shortstops is a loss because you can obviously transition the money to another couple arms in, in the starting rotation or to the, you know, a more consistent bat at third or, or you can get creative, you know, you, you might be able to convince, you know, I don't know who, or, or, or you can move Nico to third. I don't know. I mean, you, you've yes. got options, you, you know, you, you, you gotta see what magical has to know if you need to shift Horner over and fill that shortstop spot. Cause you don't, you don't need to act in desperation. If, if magical was a dude at second, there's no, re- I mean, look, Nico Horner's, playing out as one of the best shortstops in baseball right now. I mean, he's grading out defensively and obviously his offense has been fantastic. Um, so you don't have to feel like you've got it. You can, you can figure out a way to, you know, like instead of feeling like you have to pour it into the shortstop spot, maybe you pour it in here and other spots where the Cubs also are still lacking. There's, there's plenty of holes. There's plenty right. of holes. Yeah. Um, and so that would be an absolute luxury, but also you let Nick magical play it out and he's, boner and he sucks then i we gotta land one of these three and now we can shift nico over to second problem solved and so i i think that stresses the need to see what magical can do but i think that like like you're saying you know i don't think the cubs need a leadoff hitter anymore I feel uh, like they don't awesome. they have a guy who just like, cannot not get on base he just wow. he lives on he lives on first base so you just can't have a mitch He's going to get a little mad here, but uh, let let me live in fantasy land here for a little bit more. Uh, best case scenario for me is Nick Madrigal balls out last of the year, just hits 350, stops striking out, looks great. He's somehow in like, I mean, not somehow, like he just, he's in the gold glove race at second base. And then the Cubs are like, I love it. You know what, Nick? Let's let's send you back to the team who drafted you, and the uh, <laughs> and the Cubs, and and the White Sox. Uh, Jerry uh, Rickon talks to Jerry Reinsdorf. Reinsdorf's like, "I'm sorry, I'm still not going to spend on pitching." Uh, and then the Cubs wind up with Lucas Giolito for Nick Madrigal right. after signing Zoe Carlos out. Correa. Zoe I like actually, that, Mitch. Oh, I like that. Punching a sourdough <laughs> loaf of bread in San Francisco right now because he leaves for just a little bit and he's not here to actually stop Aldo from dropping this shit on hey, you. Hey, hey, no, no, no. Zoe's the number one, like number what, number two, I guess? Nick Madrigal guy. So he'd yeah. love it. Why wouldn't he love right. it? He finally right. gets his second baseman back. No more Josh. <laughs> for Lucas Chilito, though, I don't know. Although the White Sox <laughs> are having problems. I don't even know if they're going to pay him. So I mean, we'll see. He's that's, gonna be expensive. The White Sox have never paid bit like John Diggs and no, I can't. I can't John keep Diggs. supporting this idea. We're gonna cut cool. this off right now. But oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no please. shot, no no shot. Um, um, but you know what? That for Nick Magical's sake, I, I hope he gets in a position where he's no. Good I do too because that's the thing. Back. Like Kevin, you said it, it. If he does, if he's just balls out and he's like, "All right, hey, I am good," and the Cubs are like, "Yes, you are good." It does take less pressure off them to go out and spend big on a shortstop. And then, like how you said, Kevin, you know, you allocate those resources that you're going to use for a Correa or a Turner, whoever you were all in on before. And you can go out and, you know, get a horse for the rotation. Get two. You know, get a, get a corner get outfielder. A get a That'd yeah, be get nice. A That's the thing. Though. The bullpen, I know they've had their struggles, like, these past couple weeks. I'm never worried about the Cubs bullpen now. They've done it like four years in a row. They just like get guys you've never heard of, minor league guys that aren't like top prospects, and they just always end up being solid. So I trust them, especially with their new, uh, just uh, their new system of uh, player development in the minor leagues the last few years. 
I'm 100% confident that they can just, on a year-in, year-out basis, produce a solid bullpen. Um, so, Kevin, let's talk about the best player uh, in baseball for the past three. You know, I mean, nationally. I'll, I'll cut it down to the National League. Um, Christopher Morrell <laughs> has given Cubs fans something to be happy for because, honestly, I know that Wilson Contreras right now is like a top-five hitter in the National League. But every time he does something, it's just like, like fuck, he's I, he's gonna get traded in a month. Like that's all I can think about. <laughs> I can't even enjoy his good moments because all I think about is like they haven't talked to him about a contract extension. That's well, so his, stupid. His too. arbitration hearing, his arbitration hearings tomorrow. Tomorrow, fantastic uh, because we all know what happens in those. That's when the team just shits on you. This is gonna be another bad that you ever did. They're gonna well, bring it up. So if the Cubs are gonna extend him tonight. Would be the night that they do it. Tonight, uh, the night before, the odds so on that? avoid that kind of harmful because it is. It you hurt a lot of feelings get hurt and those things. That's, so if the Cubs aren't inking him tonight before arbitration starts tomorrow, or if they don't ink him before the the actual hearing, I can say that he's probably as good as gone because they are about to hurt feelings. And and Wilson ain't gonna forget that shit. That's the thing. If so, if the Cubs somehow do end up uh, signing Contreras to an extension, I think to me that does signal them actually wanting to compete in 2020 because you don't just sure. sign a 30 year old catcher for like, he's going to get like a five year deal. And you don't let a catcher as good as him go. If you intend on competing now. Yeah. So then that would be like, okay, no, they are actually serious. I know this is like year like fucking four of, Oh, they're, they're, they're doing their homework on the free agents on the free agent shortstops. But like maybe they finally do it. So that'd be great. That'd be a great sign. I just, even that's, if again, they, sign even, that I and even I if they weren't planning on contending, which I do think they would be a sign that they are contending if they resign him, though, it's never a bad idea to have a former World Series champion of his caliber in a locker room with a bunch of these young guys showing them mm -hmm. the ropes. Actually, you saw Christopher Morell is one. He had a huge at bat in the ninth inning a, a couple of days. I think I think it might have been last week. And he saw him. He looked over and Wilson Contreras tell him to calm down, take a deep breath. Like, that's huge. And I know that's why the White Sox have kept Jose Abreu around as long as they did, even during, like, their rebuild, is because you need one of those guys in the clubhouse to kind of show the guys the ropes. And uh, otherwise, it's going to be kind of another embarrassing uh, another embarrassing exit for one of their core players. I think he just got – he, he's earned a contract extension for the Cubs. I, I don't think there's any reason they, I mean, they should. A bunch of those dudes did last year too. But um, yeah. the thing with Contreras, like, although you said it perfectly, two things that I'm looking for with the Cubs that tell me they're in business for next year. Obviously, extending Wilson. And then not trading Marcus Stroman. Those are the two things. We will know the Cubs are out until 2024, minimum, if they also pull the trigger on the Stroman move. Because I have heard from multiple people that are talking about it saying that that was the Cubs' intent. It's that it's it's just a higher form of Pittsburgh Pirates uh, minor league contracting, which is what they do a ton. They fish and then they they sign these dudes. They make the team guys that perform. They trade them off. That's all they're doing. But they, it's because they give them like really nice workable contracts. And you got Stroman, who's got an opt out after next year. Um, he is his contract screams. If it's not really working, we're going to go ahead and because uh, he has a no trade clause, we're going to go ahead and at least make you more profitable for us. But these types of moves, and I think although you would agree, these aren't where you trade for teenagers. The Cubs should not be trading for teenagers with if they trade Willie, if they trade Stroman or whoever. They need to be trading for guys that are close. Like now, it's no longer teenage time. And guys like uh, you know, you don't want the, like a seventeen year old. Or something. You're trading for 23 year old dudes like a Bryce Ball that are close. 
you know, and Bryce Paul is a good example of he's close. He might be ready now. Could we issue in a Micker Adolfo perhaps? Oh, all right, all right. Mitch. <laughs> well, well, we get to have the fun because we're not competing, Mitch. You guys are at least competing this year, trying to compete. This is all we have, Mitch. Just made we'll up you trades Wilson. for Lucas Wilson. Giolito. <laughs> we'll give you Wilson Contreras from Montgomery. Ooh, I don't think we can uh, do that. <laughs> I, I Honestly, could. <laughs> Contending Mitch says pull the trigger, but down the road that has uh, some ramifications. So the the extremely just frustrating thing uh, talking about anything that has to do with the Cubs' future, short term or long term, is just that. I mean, for his faults, and yes, there was a lot, especially at the end with Theo Epstein. You always kind of knew where the Cubs were, what their what their direction was, what they were kind of planning. With since Judge Hoyer's taken over, and again, this is the whole thing because ever since last year. Ever since the trade deadline and like the months after and in the offseason, we were told, you know, 2022, we're going to try to compete. No, you weren't or you aren't because you you signed. Uh, yes, you signed Seiya Suzuki. Solid. Uh, and then you signed like a uh, like a one of the mid tier top free agent starting pitchers in Marcus Stroman. Cool. And then you didn't do anything else like that is not you actually wanting to compete and we still have the talk of like are they are they not what is this we're not going to call this a rebuild but it's a retool but it's a a move around it's a what i i don't even know I, it's so annoying now because we know what it is it is a rebuild it can take one year two years three years we don't know it's just it sucks because that's the thing so even with wilson Contreras, because there are paths where like hey if they let's say they do trade wilson Contreras. But like if they would tell if they would tell us like hey no this if they would have said in the last year after the trade deadline guys 2022 we're gonna be bad we're gonna be bad uh, we might sign a couple key guys but like we're probably gonna be looking to flip those guys at the at the deadline mm-hmm. obviously we would have been mad because you expect uh, one of the top markets in the entire country to compete year in and year out but we would have been like okay cool or not cool but like hey you're being transparent you're telling us what to expect right. But we we get the we get the lawyer talk we get the ah it's this but no it's not that but we're kind of doing this but or we're kind of doing that or the infamous email so from ownerships the infamous ownership email where where he literally yes. said <laughs> all resources will be spent towards competing or whatever and then so so like even if so this year like uh, let's say if they would have done that though yeah they've been more transparent like yes obviously we would have been mad uh, with the Contreras, the Contreras trade talks are gonna you know pick up steam. Uh, these next, what, six, six to eight weeks. But, you know, if they would have been like, but hey, after 2022, we're going full, we're going all in again. We've been like, all right, there's, obviously we would have had the same thing, like show it and, you know, prove it. But at least we would have had a little more confidence, like, hey, they're not directly lying to our faces. Maybe they are actually going to spend. But right now it's tough to not just be cynical all the time. And I totally get it, Kevin. Like, I know, uh, like, it's just so hard every day. I, I try to point out some of the positive, but it is hard. Because it's like, well, what's the end goal here? Just to maybe, are they going to try to compete next year? I have no idea. And that sucks. You should be able to, as a fan base, you should know the direction that your team is is trying to take. The problem is they will make money no matter what. So I don't think they gave a rat's ass because they know at the end of the day in June, it's going to be take your shirt off and have a keg party in the bleachers. And they're going to sell out regardless of what product they put on the field. 
and you get plenty of meatball, and you get the water carriers from the media doing it all because the Cubs are notorious for yanking access for they people. They do have that, but guys, Wrigley Field is not selling out. How it, it is not selling out. Period. They are now, and yes, they're still going to make money because I mean, they're a fucking baseball team. Owners wouldn't be owning something if they weren't making money. So it's not like uh, the Rickets are. Uh, I mean, they're still their built, in yeah, the despite league despite their uh, biblical losses. But right now, the Cubs are offering you free alcohol just to go to games. Right now. <laughs> they have this new promotion out where it's like uh, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. Buy a ticket, you'll get a free drink. <laughs> they're, and, they're and yet they're eight, fans in the to eight in the league in attendance with this crap product. They're that's eight actually higher than the league. league in attendance. They are higher than the Mets, who are having a great season. They're higher than the Giants, who usually always Boston, Philly, Milwaukee. Obviously, the White Sox, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, by about 10,000 more fans per game. Um, uh, when you got the, the Nationals, I mean, I'm looking down the list of, you know, uh, oh, then it gets to, to the shitbirds. But yeah, I mean, the Cubs aren't. All right. You know what? I take it back, man. What, the, what, do you get, what are you Cubs fans doing? I've said this all throughout the years with the Bulls fans being mad and justifiably so. When did we see change? Like when they were getting embarrassed and you're getting like half empty. Uh, uh, pictures out of the United Center. Cubs fans, come on now. And I get it. It's I mean, a lot of them that show up though mean. aren't even real fans. It's a all lot right, of them that show up right. on the Instagram. Uh, it's true. It's <laughs> it's it's the, the tourists. Uh, a lot of tourists want to show up. It's all like the sixth graders that want to post it on their Instagram. I mean, it's a lot of or, or the drunks that are in the bleachers. So I, I think do that's have to say that. I think there is just honestly, fan. There, there is a lot more. I think, of that, so. Yeah, <laughs> I want to fight against it, but I have. There does seem to just be more of that in the bleachers Look, this year. I'm going to tell you this: we can put the bed. The, we'll, we'll put this attendance joke shit to bed that Cubs fans throw at White Sox fans, because I also think the White Sox fans have a higher baseball IQ than Cubs fans. Myth is fucking dead. Just the last two, three years, especially. They're just meatballs in every fan base. Let's just be honest. And oh, so yeah. I, I've, I've seen, yeah. I've seen more over the last three years, and the White Sox are actually pretty good. Uh, that tell me that it, 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 it they, they, there's no difference. It, it's just it, the only fan base I will more of them because there's more Cubs fans. That's all. The only, the only fan base I will always shit on, and the reason I will continue to do it is because they do, uh, you know, elevate themselves as something beyond everyone else. Is Cardinals. So I will always shit on fans who yeah, are always. the best fans in baseball. Uh, <laughs> fuck you. Uh, but yeah, Lord. so I titled this, I titled uh, this episode and uh, we'll get to it now an hour and 20 minutes in. <laughs> are the Cubs about to DFA Jason Hayward? Ooh. So the Cubs right. have guys coming off the injured list. That includes Seiya Suzuki, who had the sprained finger. Uh, they had their game postponed Wednesday night in Baltimore. They have a day off Thursday, and then they're going to play the weekend against the Yankees in New York. David Ross said, say Suzuki uh, might be coming back as soon as Friday. Obviously, the Cubs are not going to send down Christopher Morrell, who's been hot. Uh, I think it's now, what, 21 games, Kevin? Straight, mm-hmm. 21. Uh, getting on base to start off his MLB career, which started with a Same. home run. Um, because Most also recently, have... it started with a home run as well. That, uh, yes, that's right. Um, I hope we don't drink some now. Fuck. Uh, it didn't happen last week, though, so I'm feeling good about that one. Um, there's Clint Frazier, who struggled to start the year. Then he had the uh, his appendix removed, I think. So he missed some time there. He was in the minors for a bit on his rehab, and he's come back 
Um, but Jason Hayward also came back, and he just keeps being in the lineup, even though he's really bad. Um, there is a theory by 670 Scores of Matt Spiegel. Um, hey, maybe they're playing him so much right now this week because you know they're showcasing him a little bit. Uh, they want to do something right by him, I guess. I don't know. Uh, maybe they feel they owe something to, I mean, he's the one who owes everything to the Cubs for paying him that enormous contract. Um, yeah, but they got but, a speech out of it in the World that, Series that allegedly series. hyped him up. So it was worth the 100 delay speech. <laughs> if, if you would call a 140 character Twitter post a epic speech, I guess you could call it an epic speech. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, Sorry. So there's that. It's like, hey, maybe the Cubs are on the verge of DFAing. Huh. Jason Hayward, what do you think, Kevin? Are they about to do it? Or? I threw this out there because I know Bleacher, uh, whatever it was, was it Bleacher Nation or whatever it was, or Bleacher Report, or whatever. They were asking that question, like, what, what the hell's going on? And I actually, I was thinking more optimistically. I was thinking perhaps they've had a talk with Jason Hayward, and he's agreed that if they can find a really good destination, he's willing to waive his no-trade clause. And perhaps they found they're finding possibly with Wilson, once Wilson completes his his arbitration stuff tomorrow, they got a number I think maybe, you know, this is what I wanted them to do with Schwarber. This is me being an optimist. Maybe they found somebody that might be able to take Wilson and Hayward, and Hayward would waive the no-trade clause. Obviously, because you're pairing it with Wilson, you're, you're, you, obviously the Cubs would take on some of that salary, take off probably a chunk of the salary, actually, to free up that space. But maybe maybe they came to a point where Hayward's like, yo, I, I'll, I'll take a trade. I'll take, I'll take a few, you know, I, I, make sure it's not a shit spot, but he'll go to a contender, obviously, because that's who's, who's buying right now. And Hayward would be a very valuable defensive replacement late in the game. And he's not a bad 10th or 11th guy off the bat. And perhaps Hayward sees the writing on the wall and says, why not throw me into a pennant race? Let's go win a world series with somebody. So maybe perhaps that's what they're showcasing. And they're hoping to get a little bit more out. And he hasn't been terrible these last few days. I mean, yesterday he, I think got a hit or two. Yeah. (laughs) It's working, you know, I mean, you know, the negative, the, the, the pessimist would say, yeah, maybe there's the swan song and they're trying to let him get one last goodbye. But I'm trying to be optimistic. Maybe perhaps Hayward sees the writing on the wall and says, hey, I know we got these young guys come up. Thank you so much for what you've done for me, Cubs. You've paid me to basically be bullshit and not very good for multiple years now. And I've made millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars at this point almost um, on on this. So, yeah, I'll take a trade. Just send me to a place. Maybe if you want to package me with someone, fine. But they, I think the Cubs can make it. This is what the Cubs failed to do with Schwarber when Schwarber was that cap value back in 2019 they could have possibly paired those guys up too but maybe it was hayward saying no so maybe perhaps they got hayward to say if it's a good spot and i like it see i'll I'll take it and then that's the thing though i think that'd be that'd be a terrible move uh because right now if you think about wilson Contreras, a 30 year old catcher cubs fans need to lower their expectations of what a trade return is going to click if you're adding jason hayward to that you're not getting anything back because you're gonna have to pay all his money you're not gonna get anything back because well, no, the Cubs taking on the salary. That's true, but like you're you're lessening what you can just you can do the exact same thing of letting Jason Hayward he can pick wherever he wants to go. So like if the team still wants to trade for him, like he you can just DFA him. He clears waivers. No one's going to pick him up because no one's going to have to. No one's going to want to pay the rest of his money. And then he, and then he can be like, hey, sign me for the league minimum now. Cool. Um, so I wouldn't pair him up in a trade for because you're just driving the value down. Uh, on anyone that you pair with, uh, but that's the thing. Uh, like they can just they can accomplish like uh, something good for Jason Hayward by releasing him, because then he's just free to sign with anyone. He can sign with whoever he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Mitch, White Sox need a left-handed right fielder. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a DFA. He's, he's a cheap. Uh, he's a cheap. Uh, Big minimum. Right up Rick <laughs> He's got some untapped potential, just like Nomar Mazzara. It is. Oh man, oh, oh, yeah, World I mean, Series. Right. was only twenty-four. Man, come on, give him another two years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the 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 whole Jason Hayward saga. I'm, I was thinking to, uh, back about it earlier this year. It would be like it would be one thing. Like when when the Cubs signed Alfonso Soriano, they outbid themselves. Like I think they outbid the next team by like forty million dollars. It's like I think when Soriano signed, it was eight years, one hundred and thirty-six million dollars. When they signed Jason Hayward after 2015, I think the Washington Nationals, they were like willing to offer 10 years, $200 million. The Cardinals were like in the mix too, for like that amount. Um, and the Cubs ended up going eight for 184. So he picked overall, he picked a little less money, obviously more per year because he liked the Cubs. He liked the team, thought it was the best chance to win. And then year after, I don't know if it was the initial change or the little tweak that the Cubs wanted to do in his swing to get a little more power. But ever since then, it's just every offseason, you get a story out of spring training. Jason Hayward's been doing this to tweak his stance. Jason Hayward's been doing this to tweak his swing. Jason Hayward's been doing this to not roll over. Jason Hayward's been doing this to get a little more uh, loft in his swing. Jason Hayward, it's just every year and just it keeps it kept getting worse. There's like one stretch where he was good, which mm-hmm. was in 2020, the, the short year. He was good for like a month and a half. Yep. That was that was the peak Jason Hayward offensive performance for the Cubs. And it's so frustrating because it's not like we're talking about. I know, Kevin, you have the story where he chewed out KB for swinging at 3 0 pitch. Hilarious. Like, Jason, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, yes, a guy, wait, wait, wait. like, I know you're doubling jealous. Off, doubling off the wall with the bases <laughs> loaded. On a three-zero pitch. Let's make sure we. There's more context. In Jason, there. Jason got Jason got jealous. He's like, "Hey, if I suck, we all suck." Um, he's just uh, grumpy. He's just grumpy. He's a great but yeah, dude. But that's the great thing. Great other than that, other than that, because that's the thing. The Cubs have benched him before, uh-huh. and this is a guy who is making big money, who was a good player at one point. We've never really heard any other like bad stories. No. We haven't heard that he's a bad teammate. No, we I haven't see. heard him like do anything off off the field stuff. If anything, he's, he's great, great, great. Field. He's yeah. a huge community guy. Yes, he helps out the community. Great with charities. It seems like stand up guy. Well, is this the last? This is the last year of his contract. How many years? No, there's still <laughs> two <laughs> more years. Man. Two, two years. at twenty five million per year. Yeah, there's still like the that's the okay. thing. No matter what, the Cubs are. If they, I, that's the thing, a trade at this point is never going to happen. They're just going to have to eat all his money. Um. And you have to because there's no point in playing him. He no. is now 32, I think. It is just it's what it's going to be one of the, like a great case study in what a guy who was a solid player, a solid to good player for five straight years, signs a big free agent deal and just becomes a bad player. Just like not, it's not, it's not like he like, oh man, this guy underperformed. Like Soriano, you can say through the totality of his contract. I know it's 07 and 08, he was great for the Cubs, but like for the entire entirety of his contract, he underperformed. Mm-hmm. Jason Hayward was just, he just became a bad player. He went well below the underperform. He just became bad. Offensively. But even his defensively defense now, ever, ever. defensively now, 
he's kind of just average. The first three years, he was still great. I will give you that. Right field, he was still great from 2016 through like 2018. The last couple of years, he's graded out as like a below average to average defender in right field, in center field, he's below average. Uh, it's just crazy. And again, I wish I wish he was a dick like Dallas Keuchel because it would be easier. To That'd be easy. <laughs> well, do, do you have three outfielders that are significantly better than him at this point? I mean, I know he's been like like so. Again, so like it's so the age stuff is different because he's played a lot more. So you, there's long. Tra- so Clint, Fra- I've been on Clint Frazier since uh, spring training. What's that guy? I agree. He should be getting playing like, time. He, he just needs to like, get playing time. Yeah, they wanted to give him out. a flyer. So yeah, that's fine. Yeah, there you, just, you, you need to find there. out. There's uh he came up for like a week or less than that. Uh Nelson Velasquez, who's been killing it at AAA. And like he's like another like I think he's in his I think he's like 24, 25, maybe. He he should be getting some playing time. Um, so like there are guys, and obviously say Suzuki coming off the injured list, Ian Happ, if he's not traded, he's still a good solid player, so he's gonna be playing in left field. So like Jason Hayward just has no like there's no purpose in him playing. He's he's actually graded right now as the 68th best outfielder in baseball defensively. <laughs> Behind Rafael Ortega, by the way. <laughs> and Rafael Ortega, I would say, like is just average. He's just, I, there's there's no good solution to it, but considering they're not trying to win this year, it's a rebuild. I, I don't think it'll make much sense to DFA him and eat all that money for no reason. You might as well get something out of him because he is a positive locker room guy. You know, I mean, somewhat of a big name. DFA, I, I make him a coach. <laughs> He's gonna, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Earn that out. It's just... Like Roger Dorn. You know, that's the thing, because, like, so the Cubs are in a, like, transition year. Let's just put it that. You know, it's, it's rebuild. Let's just say transition year, right? So you want to give as many guys as possible just flyers. It's like that having Jason Hayward on your team prevents you from doing that that that's like the main reason like yes he is a great great in the clubhouse you know there have been guys who've spoken highly of him uh, throughout his entire time with the cubs but at this point like he's still gonna get paid it's not like the cubs are gonna cut him and he's like oh well there goes your paycheck jason he's still gonna get that money in his uh in his bank account every two weeks Uh, oh yeah that's why i think you hang out at least you're getting something for all that money you're paying I think you try and find a trade partner at, at this point. It's just his, like, his no trade, his no trade rights ruin everything. He wants to just sit on his bass. I mean, that's has I, to be one of the major reasons why he hasn't been able to be dealt in the last couple of years. Is he's telling him no, nope. <laughs> no. Nope. Well, I don't think I don't, I don't think that many teams are inquiring about him to begin with the way he's been hitting. But like you know, if he can raise his trade value, I could see him like waving it to go to a contender. And you know, I think that'd be better than the situation he's in now. Maybe he goes he's back too- to. It. He goes back to Atlanta. Does Atlanta need an outfielder or something? They're playing pretty good as of right now. I don't know if they, they need got high. I don't know. Um, so what? We're now past an hour and a half. Anything else, boys? Nah, I mean, we got a, the Cubs are in the midst of this long stretch still of, of after, now Baltimore's done. Not until August. I got, you obviously got uh, bang today, but mm-hmm. Cubs have a brutal stretch again. I mean, when you look at the Cubs schedule right now, we're about to see the Cubs. I mean, they're in the, um, that uh, that section. This they're in the midst of that really rough time of the season, obviously. But in the sense that they are now about to, what do they got this week in the Yankees? Right? Is the Yankees, 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 yes. Yankees start, what Friday? And when you yeah. look at the Cubs schedule, um, 
you know, the, the cupcakes they were supposed to get, the, the, the breather was supposed to be Orioles. They lost the Orioles yesterday. <laughs> Jesus. Our guy Keegan, Widgings Keegan. And so you got three at New York. Then you got four at home against the Padres. And then three at home against the Braves. So their next, what was that? Two, nine, ten games are not easy. And so it could get a little bit uglier. They're already ten games under five hundred. Um, and then they will get the 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 saving grace of just like the White Sox have it as well, the saving grace of the NL Central. They get a four gamer against the Pirates, who have actually given them fits this year, which is funny. But then they go right back to it, Cardinals. But then they get the Reds. So I mean, the Cubs are about you know this ten game stretch. I said if they finish this ten game stretch, I would be, you know at at, at this this June stretch or whatever we want to call it, you know five hundred. That'd be really really admirable. But they're and they have done pretty well. But then losing to the Orioles kind of really. You know, they've lost three in a row now. So it's no four in a row. No, not no three in a row because they have the doubleheader. They won game one on the doubleheader, right? Yes. So yeah, it's um, one, two, three in a row. And then the Yankees are probably going to sweep their ass. On the other side, it's on the Sox finishing up against Dodgers on Thursday. And then they host Texas for three games over the weekend, uh, three in Detroit, and then three in Houston next week. Uh, back home against Toronto and the Orioles. Then back out west against the Angels to end the month of June, and then San Francisco that first weekend in July. Mitch, overall feelings like you have to feel kind of pretty good after what almost seemed like it was going to be a disaster out east. Yeah, no, the vibes have been positive. We got some role guys that are stepped. I mean, the star players like our Yoan Moncada's, Yasmani Grandals. Obviously, it has been the season we've hoped, but the guys are stepping up, which is positive to see. The pitching is held up. Uh, the starting pitching, I've had no complaints about all year. It's been very solid, uh, and it's only a matter of time before these guys hit. Yasmani Grandal is not going to hit this poorly the, re- the rest of the season. I think at some point he heats up. Jose Abreu is beginning to turn into the player we know he is. So. It's a matter of time. Uh, the schedule is going to get easier. I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling positive here. Here, I think, I think they're turning things around. Sox, very lucky that they're in the AL Central because yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, shout out to Zoe. Yeah. Shout out to Zoe, who is in San Francisco right now. That's why he can't join us this week. Uh, he was, he actually went to uh, was it Rockies Giants on Tuesday night. The new city uh, connects were, I think, out there, weren't they? Yeah. Or was that the game before? Uh, I, I can't remember. It might have been earlier. Uh, he, but he was out there uh, trying to recruit Carlos Rodon back to Chicago. <laughs> it's a good um, one last night. Thank you, people. They, they you what? Um, and she had a home run for the Giant or the Rockies. Yeah. He also got to see his boy, Jock Peterson, uh, longtime favorite player who he. Did not want in the offseason, and now Jock Peterson, probably an all-star for the National League. Uh, Jock oh, didn't way, want to sign with us. He, he could have signed with us. We offered true. him a contract, that's and he chose to go to the Cubs. So, you know, it's true. screw. I don't, we don't need no Jeff. Hey, Jock Peterson, two-time World Series champion, right? Or one time? Two times? Two times. Two times. Dodgers um, and then Dodgers and Braves. Yep. Two in a row. Back in. Two in a row. That's right. He's magic. Everybody, live, live bet the Giants. Yeah, go Giants, Joe. Giants. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to win my Cubs uh, win the World Series bet that I put down every year. So. A lot of times, a lot of time, Kevin. Right? Are we still in the lot of season left uh, territory or no? Are we past that? Wait, what? Are we past the? There's still a lot of time left in the season. Nah, no? not yeah. till after the All Star break. <laughs> I'm. Well, for the Cubs, yes, they're, they're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> but for the White Sox, no, they got they got, they have plenty of time. I wish the Cup season ended after that first after that first series against Milwaukee. Stop it was great. Get out. Stop it get out. Is, 
They had a 667 winning percentage. That's on fire. God, do you remember how excited everybody was after that weekend? They're like, oh, Cubs are bad. It's like, hey, the Cubs can actually hit good pitching now. Look at them. And then, Whoops. Cubs actually, actually not good. Um, all right. So for everyone listening, thanks for sticking around again. Check out Sports Mockery, sportsmockery.com for all the latest on Cubs, White Sox, Bears, Bulls, Blackhawks as well. Uh, I'm Aldo for Kevin. For Smash Mitch. the like button. Smash the Smash like the button. Like, yes. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, like the video, share it with your friends, family, everybody else. Uh, leave us a review on what is it now? Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Share it with your friends as well. Maybe there'll be some giveaways this summer. Never know. Uh, but be well. We'll see Zoe back next week. Uh, see what kind of weed he brought over from California. And we'll see how high he gets. Goodbye. Free build of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantees or the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Trade rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season, nigga, it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy.